Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Dedicated to Henry Farmer. In the years of the primal from the dawn of terrestrial birth, man mastered the mammoth and horse, and man was the lord of the earth. He made him an old skin from the heart of an holy tree. He compassed the earth therein, and man was the lord of the sea. He controlled the vigorous steam, he harnessed the lightning for hire, he drove the celestial team, and man was the lord of the fire. Well, 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 here we are, Alan Averill, Agitators Anonymous, episode 69. Should I make a pun or should I not? Should I stay or should I go? Good questions. I think I will leave it to your imagination. So episode 69, what is this one about? Well, oddly enough, this one is just going to be about music. This one is just going to be about nerding out, heavy metal talk, this, that, and the other. What I did over on my Patreon was I sort of made an arbitrary random list of records from the 1990s that I thought might um, need a little reinvestigating, uh, records that meant something to me, um, but less so that, more so um, records that were maybe um, unexamined at the time. They're kind of like hidden gems. It's all sorts of random rambling through the 90s because the 90s was a very strange time, especially if you grew up into metal in the 80s. The reality was, the reality was that um, there was a, well, let's say for argument's sake, if someone said to me, what is the worst year for heavy metal? I would say 1997 or 1998. Back on Facebook a few years ago, people were doing these things. They would tag you and say, write 15 albums, your top 15 of this year. And people used to always tag me with 97 and 98 because that was always a conversation, a 4 a.m., several drinks around the um, the kitchen table in the old place I used to live in, the debates, the metal nerd debates about what the worst year was. And 97, 98 would seem to me to be the worst year. This is before the second or let's say the third wave of the underground began to start back up with bands in 99, 2000, 2001. The death metal scene had run out of steam from the early to late 80s, early 90s. Boom. The black metal scene had sort of run out of steam and was mainly just huge um, velvet cape flowing top hat wearing nuclear blast records stock. And the traditional heavy metal bands, the Iron Maidens, the Judas Priests, by 96, 97 were at their lowest ebbs. We had Blaze Bailey and Ripper, um, <clears throat> both bands more or less kind of turning into slightly tribute acts to themselves in a way poor records there just wasn't any heavy metal so to speak of okay so Hammerfall was just about to kickstart and people's reinterest in Blind Guardian Iced Earth but the fallout from 
MTV stopping playing music, stopping playing Headbangers Ball. All the 80s bands were really sagging. They were really at their lowest ebb. New Metal um, was just about to kickstart. The, um, I suppose, the, the nadir of rock music, the knuckle-scraping antithesis of all the things that we loved. Um, the grim lowest common denominator of the time. Um, was in the ascendancy and traditional rock and metal was really just seemed kind of done, including all the 80s rock bands had been served their notice by Nirvana, Nevermind. So there's this period, 96 to 98, 96, 97, 98, even though Primordial made a record in that period, which was Journey's End. And there was, of course, lots of interesting music being made um, under the surface. But in the mainstream, heavy metal felt kind of done somehow. In 1986, the most popular bands, bands we could argue were the best bands. 1986 gave us Peace Sells But Who's Buying, Rain and Blood. It gave us Master of Puppets, huge records. The old heavy metal monoliths were still going. Iron Maiden were doing Somewhere in Time. Um, Priest, okay, Priest were doing Turbo, whether you love it or hate it, but they were still out there. And, you know, Painkiller was a couple of years away. Ram It Down was coming out in 88. There was, there was simply just so many great records, great metal records between 80 and 88. Um, and beyond that as well, of course, 87 Persecution, Mania, 86 Pleasure to Kill. Oh, the list goes on and on and on and on. But by 96, 97, all of that kind of thing had dried up for traditional metal fans. And it's only 10 years ago. And, you know, when you got into metal, let's say in 87, 83 seemed like a lifetime away. But it was only four years. Now, when somebody says to me a record from 2000, to me, I go, oh, that's a kind of a modern one. And somebody goes, uh, well, it's 21 years ago. And if you're 23, you're only two when it came out as one of the records in my arbitrary list actually did come out in 2000, which is the Lord Weird Slough Feg and not the 90s. So what I thought I would do is in no particular order, for no particular reason, just pick a bunch of records um, that really, I think, stuck out in the 90s. Now, of course, there's loads missing. It's not a top 10. It's not which had the most meaningful impact on me, not which were the most, you know, emotionally taxing or the most the things I identify the most with, or even my favourite records in the 90s. It's an arbitrary list that I just sat there staring into space and thought about 10 or 15 or 20 things that maybe might be a little bit overlooked in the grand scheme of things. So, this did appear on my Patreon. If you want to go and support the show, go over to my Patreon. This is the kind of thing that I post um, there, along with lots of other chats. There's all sorts of things. There's book discussions. There's this, that, and the other. Um, it's not as grim as one could imagine. It's more like a cosy 1970s fan club. Huh? Yeah, something like that. Whatever. Blah, 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 blah. This is the um, uh, the postscript to that Patreon episode, which was just random records from the 90s. But I will add a few more of my own that just popped into my head before we get into what was that Patreon episode. Um, like I said, very strange times. Um, I could have picked, for example, Dissection, Storm of the Light, Spain. You all know that. This is not a list of my favourite records from the 90s. But let's say, for example, look to the side of Dissection, Storm of the Light, Spain and think about Sentenced, North From Here. The impact that Sentenced's demos just before North From Here had Journey to Payola and all that kind of thing. This kind of Iron Maiden um, melded into this super technical, melodic heavy metal um, or heavy death metal, whatever you want to call it. North From Here predates Storm of the Lightsbane and I think should be sitting just under 
to section Storm of the Lights playing in the pantheon of incredible records of the time. This is a death metal band embracing the full scope of traditional heavy metal, firing it up with some speed and some dynamic picking and all that kind of thing. All of the same things that you heard within Dissection, maybe a little bit less evil, a little bit less on the merciful fate, so to speak, but certainly heavy on the maiden. So the first record before we get into the Patreon blah de blah I've got to say, a 90s record that is really worth digging into is sentenced north from here. Okay, so they went into their sort of groove, downer, suicide rock after that. Albums I still like. Um, I'm a fan of all of those records, The Cold Wild Light, um, all that kind of thing. Great in its context. Um, and every now and again, I put them on and really enjoy them. But north from here is a different beast. It's a technical dark, complicated, adventurous and record that reaches for the top shelf. There are moments when it seems a little bit beyond its own grasp, but certainly this after the um, very great debut record is absolutely worth considering. I'll also add to this postscript the first typo negative album, Slow, Deep and Hard. This is my favourite typo negative before um, Pete maybe say got a little bit more romantic in his outlook but this is one of the most aggressive violent records i think ever made it's an absolute head fuck of a record it's very claustrophobic very dark some of the most hateful and aggressive lyrics i think i ever heard and being a huge carnivore fan when it came out it came out and people didn't really know what to do with it they didn't know what kind of music it was they didn't really understand it this strange sort of hardcore mixed with various bits of industrial mixed with some kind of goth not really too sure but typo negative, slow, deep and hard. If most people have been looking for the, how we say, the more blousy, more candles billowing, um, red wine glass pour typo negative, this is the antidote. Jackhammer rape, um, der Untermensch. It's so aggressive. Sometimes it's even off the scale, off the dial. Whoever that woman was on this album um, probably heard it and decided to move state but it's one of the most angry, aggressive records I think ever made, typo negative, slow, deep and hard. So those are the two randomly that just popped into the popped into my head um, before I link in now the Patreon discussion of those 10 records. Anyway, there's more than 10. There's 15. There's 20. You know, I'm looking at the piece of paper here and there's no mention of In the Woods, but I talk about In the Woods. I talk about Vedbuenzende, all of those kind of things. The glory days of Misanthropy Records, one of the greatest labels of the 1990s and all of the Avon stuff they produced, written in water. So many great records. Okay, the 90s was a barren time, let's say, in the mainstream. Um, you could see what was happening to rock music, to metal music in 96, 97, 98. The old dogs seemed to be done. But there were many great records. So here's a random all over the place look at 15 or 20 or 25 records from the 90s. If you don't know them, scribble them down and go and check them out and investigate. This one is going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be your questions, which are pretty interesting. I'm also interested genuinely in hearing about people's, um, I suppose, methods of coping throughout this whole um, situation, like I said, all sorts of things, maybe making things with your hands, gardening, that kind of thing, as somebody said, the small little things that one can invest time into that um, you can see flourish pretty quickly. Um, I wasn't joking when I said I got into plants and gardening. I mean, yeah, well, maybe that's what happens when you reach middle age. Anyway, um, this podcast can be a bit different. I'm going to answer all the other questions underneath. Again, some great questions. Um, 
I would like to have some more things to announce as regards uh, Primordial, about music, about gigs. Um, and tentatively, there are things announced. There is this Prophecy Festival in September. Again, this really depends on um, the situation opening back up, not changing um, on the Irish state, not wanting people to quarantine when they return. Uh, it depends on who is getting jabs, who isn't, who... It depends on so many things. And I think that's really going to have to be probably the way the industry is going to move forward, um, which is with a great deal of uncertainty. So when you see a lineup for a f X festival, maybe next year or later in this year, you're going to have to go with the understanding that it's very possible that Y band or F band or G band or whoever you want to say may not turn up because the rules might arbitrarily change. Uh, one country might be deemed green list and go one week and then somehow there's another variant and then um, things change and etc etc I think this is just going to have to be the nature of things from now on and again all things hang in the balance because as of yet when nothing has happened yet there has been no real uh, shows of note I suppose there's been well that's not fair to say people have been sending me um, footage of local shows in Copenhagen some in Germany this kind of thing some seated and distanced, some totally fine. Maybe some of you looked at the download pilot, which appeared to show 30 or 40,000 people simply showing a test at the gate and going inside. Um, if you've been listening to my podcast, you'll know that I aimed both barrels at the similar event in Ireland, which more or less was look like a cattle market. Um, steel and iron girders, people still six to a cage, um, all sorts of very draconian, authoritarian um, visuals accompanying that, telling people to, you know, post on social media, stating how much they were enjoying it, all very Orwellian. Um, but that's Ireland right now in 2021. Um, Orwell would be smirking, looking at the nature of our modern society. So what I'm going to do is um, something just a bit off the cuff um, is 10 underrated metal records from the 1990s. Um, 10 albums, maybe not the top 10 that I enjoy. They're pretty off the cuff. I just was looking at my collection and thought, there's a few records here that maybe some of you don't know that um, need a little bit of a, I don't know, maybe a mention, a bit of TLC. Maybe you've not heard some of them. Maybe you want to go, oh, that's interesting. I'll check that out. So I'm just going to, um, I'll post the links to each album underneath um, this and you can all check them out at your leisure. Um, and it is a great thing to discover a band that you maybe previously didn't know everything from and realize that there's a bunch of records that you can go back and discover. This happened to me in the last 10 years with a whole bunch of bands. Um, off the top of my head, Hawkwind, most definitely, um, were a band that I never really took to or warmed to or, well, it's maybe unfair to say because I just didn't really know them didn't really know them that well and um, yeah totally and utterly fell in love with the 70s Hawkwind style um, which was became a big influence on Dread Sovereign as well this driving bass line kind of thing anyway well if you don't know Hawkwind go and check out some um, go and check out some 70s Hawkwind 19 anything between I guess 72 73 and 77 78 is a really good really good period anyway so I'm just going to discuss 
randomly 10 metal records from the 1990s um, that I have a great affection for. Um, some of you may have noticed on my YouTube channel, I did an interview uh, with a guy called Chuck Keller from a band called Order From Chaos, um, which in reality is a name that should be mentioned in the same breath as Blasphemy and Beheret and Samael and all those kind of things. It should be a cult with a K name, if, that, if you understand what I mean. And it is, but is perhaps not treated with quite the same um, knowledge or reverence. Perhaps you can go and watch the interview we did together if you want. But my first record I'm going to talk about is um, Order from Chaos, Stillbirth Machine, um, which is a really strange, strange, caustic, dark, suffocating record. It's really unusual. There's elements of early Voivod in it. Um, there's elements of a lot of odd, of course, Bathory and Possessed and Sodom and that kind of thing. And all the optics are perfect for the time. Lots of black leather and bullets and all that kind of stuff. But um, the reality is that uh, it came out on Wild Rags record and was bootlegged in Europe. And so it never really kind of got the respect or attention it sort of deserved. And it was maybe a little bit elusive for people to find at the time. But it's an absolutely um, damaging listen really caustic, violent war metal, insane riffs. The very first opening riff is one of my favorite opening moments in metal, even though Chuck says he doesn't like the guitar sound. But it's absolutely caustic and ripping. Um, reminds me of a bit of War and Pain, Voivod, that kind of thing. If you don't know really early Voivod, then try and get on that. I mean, I probably, if it's the 1990s and underrated records, I probably could have mentioned maybe Angel Rat by Voivod, now that I think of it, which is a really interesting sort of Pink Floyd sidestep um, after Nothing Faced by Voivod that came out on a major label and then sort of got buried. It's a very um, very rare record to find on vinyl these days. A lot of people look for that. But Order from Chaos, yeah, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, there's something to be said for bands who grow up in isolation. If you look at Florida death metal scene, you can hear bands with similar kind of riffs, whether it's Cannibal, Malevolent Creation, um, you know, Deicide, Morbid Angel. They, there's... They're different entities, but once you get down into the more B division bands, you can hear a lot of the same kind of riffs. You know, incantation has elements of immolation, has elements of suffocation that they share with each other. Order from Chaos doesn't have this at all. Um, there's something to be said for a band growing up, as I said, in isolation, which you could apply the same logic to Primordial, actually, because um, we had some peers, of course, Kurokon and a few other bands, but we didn't really have musical peers, so to speak. We sort of deviated off on our own on our own um, path and you could say the same for Order from Chaos it's not an easy listen um, very interesting lyrics lots of um, um, astrological I suppose no maybe that's not fair to say occult astrological um, futuristic dystopian thematics um, really really harsh black metal kind of vocals um, really something I would recommend if you're into the more extreme end of metal uh, and you've never heard it. 30 years old. Order from Chaos, still birth machine. Check out the link I'm going to post. Um, second on my arbitrarily odd list is a band from Finland called Unholy and it's an album called From the Shadows. Unholy are a strange band. Well, obviously they're from Finland, you know, uh, the home of Strange. It's sort of Black Doom, which was a really popular well maybe not popular but certainly it was a thing in Finland at the time there was a lot of bands playing this sort of strange 
um, dissonant, strange style. On Holy's um, band pictures from the time were really impacting. They all somehow seemed to look like Emperor Palpatine from um, Star Wars back in the day. Hoods and very strange makeup, um, almost like movie extras. Really had a kind of strange impact on me when I first saw this picture in 92, 93. I'd been collecting their demos. Um, and it's very dissonant. It's like the slow parts of Beherit with really... Um, well, maybe that's not fair to say. It's got a bit a touch of dissonant, maybe my dying bride esque, but like horrendous vocals, really odd riffs. It's just really quirky, strange music. And their first couple of albums, the second one, Second Ring of Power, is really, really interesting. Um, a bit more musically accomplished, but definitely from the shadows. Um, Black Doom, ninety two, ninety three, maybe ninety three. I would suppose, circa. Um, a band who probably should have got more attention but to be honest this whole doom death thing which was really um, a big thing in 92 you know Anathema My Dying Bride Paradise Lost Gothic all that kind of stuff this was really really huge at the time but by 96, 97 had sort of run out of steam I mean I don't know if any of you really it's uh, it's due a reappraisal all of this kind of music such as Serenades Crestfallen Anathema particularly the old My Dying Bride, the very first few, which are great, great records, all the way to like Gods of the Sun. But Terlusa Swans, Symphonaire, especially the EPs, the Thrash and Naked Limbs, all that kind of thing. Um, and of course, Paradise Lost Gothic, which for me stands as one of the top 20 metal albums ever made. Um, it's it's in the top 10, 20, let's say 20 most influential, and certainly in the top 20 metal albums ever made. It's an absolutely staggering record. Apologies, a little tiny pause there for a sup of um, Bira Moretti with a grumpy guy on the front, which is fairly apt. But definitely worth exploring is Unholy from the Shadows. There was also a very kind of interesting doom debt scene going on in the Netherlands at the time as well, um, which encompassed a lot of bands like Early, The Gathering, that kind of thing. Really worth um, a look. It's a style that kind of went out went out of fashion even early septic flesh as well mystic places the dawn is a good example of this kind of thing um yeah it's a style that went out of fashion which is a bit sad really because for some reason that sort of doom tinged element to um metal um sort of yeah it really went out of fashion sometime in the mid late 90s 96 even um and all of those records are worth a reappraisal i don't know if there's a youtube um I don't know, compilation entitled Doom Death, but certainly if you don't know those early records, they're filled with a very sort of honest, tragic sort of air. Third one is um, a split record, which is Necromantia and Varathron. It's called um, Black Arts, uh, Everlasting Sins and Black Arts, or whatever you want to call it. It's Varathron's demo, Necromantia's demo. It's one of the most influential and important black metal records of the early 90s, 92, I guess. Um, again, that encapsulates that early Greek scene along with Rodding Christ's passage to Arcturo. Um, really important. Necromantia, very strange band with two bases, one distorted. It's got this really sloppy, sort of off-kilter, occult, strange, strange atmosphere, but utterly enchanting. Um, I played this record to death at the time. And the Varathron demo, um, which was on side two, um, Genesis of Apocryphal Desire is one of the most seminal black metal demos of this entire time and put them together on this record looks amazing the feel of it 
um, all the fucking old classic black metal pictures. I ordered this and um, waited almost 10 months for its delivery. And one day the postman just showed up with it on Christmas Eve, 1992. Um, yeah, it was um, an absolutely seminal record. It's hard to describe. That's got that old classic, of course, Greek occult sound. But Necromantia is such a strange band. Like I said, um, distorted and non-distorted bass. No guitar, lead guitar, but no guitar. And then songs with piano and there's even saxophone in there somewhere or other. And the paving stones of the street. Yeah, absolutely classic record. Um, tracking down the original, I would imagine, is fairly impossible. But I'm sure you could probably find um, the split CD somewhere or other. Um I say that without having looked, I guess. Or you can just listen to it on YouTube, I imagine. I'm not sure if they're up on Spotify, to be honest with you. Um, but you can definitely have a look. I'll, I'll have to go and find a link now to put in underneath this. The fourth record is um, The Lord Weird Slaufeg, or Slaufeg, and that's Down Among the Dead Man. The Dead Men. Um, Slaufeg, for me, was, I guess, possibly the greatest um, traditional heavy metal band of this whole let's say 1998 to 2008, 2012 kind of period um, for about 15 years easily. And they're still making records, still making good records. I must admit I lost my way a little bit with the last two. Um, but if there was any justice, Slaufeg would have been headlining Vakken and not Hammerfall. But that's the way things go. Um, it's got Lizzie, it's got Scorpions, it's got Uli John Roth, it's got Wild, it's... a. a Slowfeg is a kind of wild and reckless ride. Um, Mike Scalzi at the helm, crazy cool lyrics, um, lots of Celtic mythology. Um, it's it's really, I suppose, when you think when I think about underground heavy metal, and I think about character, even the kind of character that you find now in Visigoth, Witch Hazel, Eternal Champion. Slowfeg are kind of like the, um, I suppose, the um, unusual uncles of those bunch of bands. Um, it's madcap and reckless and they've provided at least two or three of the top 30 gigs I've ever seen in my entire life there when they're on form absolutely on fire um, major I suppose success eluded them I, I was partly in, involved in signing them to Metal Blade but it just seems that there was only X amount of people who uh, were interested in a band like Slaufeg but you know you can get over that in a sense it doesn't work necessarily in the mainstream but the people who love it love it more than anything and definitely Down Among the Dead Men um, is one of the I suppose it's early 2000s 2004 3, 5 it's one of the greatest heavy metal records of this century I would say um, it's yeah staggering stuff staggering stuff um, I couldn't recommend it more um, if you're loving things like Witch Hazel now and all that kind of stuff definitely uh, Slaufeg is a band worth tracking down as much as you can number five on my arbitrary list is Dawn Slaughter Sun um, a band from Sweden who were on Necropolis Records in the 1990s actually I say that Down Among the Dead Man maybe Down Among the Dead Man is 99 actually I wonder is the reason why I put it in the 1990s um, oh well look listen track down a Slaufag album that's from the 90s then if you want um, it to be in this 90s bracket category I should have really looked at that maybe, maybe Down Among the Dead Man is 99 there's a, there's a few albums before it, Twilight of the Idols, so um, yeah, it's possible. If not, well, just, you know, it doesn't matter. The list is not that um, logical or that mathematically sound. 
Dawn, Slaughter Son. I love this record. I absolutely adore it. Um, I adored it at the time. I thought it should be just under dissection in the pantheon of Gothenburg greats. Um, it's sweeping dissection style. Gothenburg, super fast picked mes- melodies, um, harsh vocals, brilliant songwriting. Um, the band released one EP either side of it, I've, I think, which didn't really have the same quality and have been threatening to make a follow up to this one for quite a long time and not done it. I don't think they were a band imbued with the biggest work ethic. I don't even know if they even really played that many gigs. But um, Slaughter Son is a masterpiece. It should be talked about up there with The Red in the Sky is Ours, Terminal Spirit Disease, Storm of the Lights, Bane, The Sombre Lane. It should be in that bracket. Sweeping neoclassical, um, fast picking melodies. Um, an absolute masterpiece. I presume it's, I think it's been re-released on vinyl by Century Media. So go and try and track it down. It's really, really worth it. Um, I wrote about this for Death Forever magazine, saying it was one of my most underrated records um, because I was trying not to stick to the 80s and talking about Holy Terror again or violence or, you know, all the thrash bands I liked from the 80s or Repulsion or whatever. so I picked this kind of record. Yeah, it's got a sweeping neoclassicism element of Bathory and Merciful Fate, of course, but definitely fits into that Gothenburg canon, um, along with maybe like Eucharist of Velvet Creation, which is an interesting record that um, probably should be talked about in the same breath, I guess. Um, my sixth choice uh, is a band called Throne of Ahaz or Throne of Ahaz. Um, I used to write to them back in the day. You used to love this band. They had a demo called The Mountains of Northern Storms that was one of my favourite and most played demos. It's not rocket science, Throne of a House. The album is called Niflheim. Um, it's quite simplistic, rudimentary black metal. I suppose it should be from Sweden. It should be considered uh, alongside maybe um, The Dark Endless by Marduk or uh, that kind of thing. It's pretty primitive. It's not Beherit primitive, but it's pretty primitive, straightforward black metal, but loads of crunching um melodic riffs harsh vocals um it's just got that really early 90s black metal spirit that maybe is a little bit more similar to immortal than the usual um swedish style i'm not even sure if it's still available or really not the second album wasn't great i, I don't remember what it was called it was called throne of or as far i can't remember what the second album was called i just remember it being really not as impressive it had a kind of bad Black Sabbath cover on it I know one of the guys plays in a hard rock band right now but I can't remember the name of that but yeah for sure it was re-released a few times I have one in 300 copies somewhere Um, yeah Throne of Ahas Niflheim very straight cold um, sort of Swedish black metal very very great record Um, not you know the greatest record but um, like I said, it, it was something that um, I have great, great affection for. Um, number seven on my list is uh, Rotting Christ. Of course, everyone loves and knows Rotting Christ. Um, maybe they shouldn't be perhaps an, on the underrated list, but I'm going to pick Triarchy of the Lost Lovers simply because in 1996 um, it spoke to me more than any other record. Um, and it is my favorite Rotting Christ record, which may surprise a lot of people. It has uh, such a, um, uh, a nostalgic appeal to me of places and things I thought as I was, you know, early 20s, 
doing some traveling. It's got all sorts of things connected to it, relationships of the time. It's it's just this very, very um, meaningful record that I think was underrated because it, it was between the sort of lower points of Sleep of the Angels and Dead Poem and the older Rodding Christ style, but it has this sweeping melancholy, this sweeping tragedy to it. Huge, big, epic, open, expansive riffs. Um, and there is just something really beautiful. A sort of... Um, I'm not going to, you know, wax too lyrical, but a sort of aching beauty to the whole thing. A very melancholic, tragic record. Um, of course, it has, I think, the drummer of Creator playing on it at the time, and the whole sound is tightened up, and it's on Central Media, etc., etc., etc. And it fits in with their Moonspeller religious, I suppose, the Samuel of the time, that Central Media, um, slightly um, took the sharp edges off a lot of those early black metal bands. But... Triarchy has got something really, really special. It's got a really special um, moment to it. Snowing still. Um, you've got um, the opposite bank. Um, really, really. And some of the songs at the end of the album really have a sort of uh, incredible melancholy. Um, and, you know, Running Christ was always one of the bands, the early Running Christ, that totally influenced my writing in Dread Sovereign. Um, and even somehow, I suppose, it's not too distant to say that there was... Um, a sort of um, a twin melancholy involved in Journey's End, Primordial, and something like Triarchy. I don't know what it was. Maybe there's just there's just there's an air of sadness that permeates some of those records and some of those riffs. Whether it was Moonspell of the time and lots of the peripheral bands that were not only relying on pure aggression at uh, at the heart of the scene. Really, uh, I couldn't recommend it enough. Actually, um, the eighth choice I have is Monumentum band from Italy, In Absentia Christi. Um, Monumentum is a really interesting band. They, their demo from 89, Moseum Hermeticum, is one of my very, very favourite demos of the whole 1980s. Really strange, like dark wave, almost like The Cure mixed with really early black metal. It's very primitive, um, very interesting. Um, the sound got cleaned up immeasurably in this five or six or seven years between then and in Absentia Christi, but it's one of Misanthropy Records' um, greatest releases. We can put it there within the woods, Heart of the Ages, which, of course, you should try and find the first two in the woods albums. Um, Ved Buenzenda, Written in Waters. Maybe Journey's End by Primordial is in that canon as well. Of sort of off-kilter, left-of-field records. I mean, Misanthropy at the time was just only creating great art, great bands, great records. And Monumentum is really strange. It's, It's got Bauhaus, it's got The Cure, it's got Susie and the Banshees, It's, but it's distilled through underground um, second wave black metal and it's got this very strange, dark, almost uh, Mediterranean kind of atmosphere to it. Um, certainly, I would really... I presume it's been reissued and re-released, um, if you can track it down. I know they made an album after it, but it didn't really have the same um, the same beauty to it or the same magic to it. But there's certainly a magic to an Absenti Christi, a- Italian sort of. I suppose at the time I didn't really realise it had the lineage of Goblin and all those 70s Italian progressive horror bands. Um, I didn't pick a Death SS record, you know, but um, it, 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 it can sit in that canon of odd Black Hole and all these kind of bands of odd Italian... Uh, metal but definitely Misanthropy Records is also um, a really interesting label to try and discover Tiziana quit 
when she didn't want to do it anymore. Um, and almost every record they released is of a very, very high quality. Um, some have been released, some haven't. Uh, but definitely there's something about that label at the time which really stood for high quality art. Um, you should really try and take a look into that. There's there's one called, there's a CD called Presumed Presumed Guilty, which sort of has something from every band. Solstice released New Dark Age or Misanthropy. And it'll go part of the way to um, addressing issues like cancel culture in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, which did exist back then. But of course, it was about magazines and letter writing. Um, it wasn't quite as instant. But certainly Tiziana had to suffer at the hands of uh, people wanting to bring down her label. And certainly as a female label owner at the time, um, she suffered, I would have supposed, and known about um, elements of 1990s, I suppose, middle management misogyny that would have happened at the time. But she just went, stuck two fingers at it, went, fuck you, I do my label. And um, yeah, Mazanthropy Records is a treasure trove of really amazing records. I, I could easily put Ved Buenzenda written in waters into this canon in the woods, heart of the ages, solstice, uh, new dark age, huge epic doom, one of the biggest epic doom metal records there is in the woods. is a very good companion band to Primordial, to Hades Almighty, to Einherjer, to Drug, to all these kind of bands. Um, huge um, open vocals. Um, pagan metal, actual pagan metal, not the sort of uh, jolly, furry-booted stuff that we see today. But um, definitely in the woods, heart of the ages, uh, Omnio, the second album, are records that um, I think everyone should really, uh, you know, they can, like I said, they can sit inside, sit alongside very easily, My Dying Bride, that kind of stuff. Definitely Catatonia, Brave Murder Day, that kind of stuff. Um, I would check out. Um, the ninth one is an unusual record. It's Immolation, Here and After. Um, I'm a huge Immolation fan, and Dawn of Possession is one of my very favourite death metal records. But they took a couple of years and they made Here and After at a time when the death metal scene had kind of gone off its peak, maybe Morbid Angel, Deicide, etc. But Here and After is one of the most dissonant, caustic. It just sounds like, as my friend said, boiling hot tar being poured over the world. It's certainly an influence on modern gore guts, on Portal, on all most of the really complex, dissonant, um, sub-satanic basement dwelling, um, evil death metal that's come out in the last 20 years owes something to here and after. Um, the last song, Christ's Cage, play that and listen to the opening. What the fuck? One of the greatest songs of the 1990s. It's it's a mind-bending list and no one was playing really like Immolation moved to with here and after. People were still following the, you know, the Cannibal Corpse template for a lot of death metal, but Immolation broke the mold with this record. It's one of the darkest um, records by arguably the greatest death metal band of all time. Um, it, you know, I, I love Incantation, um, especially Onward to Golgoth, all those early uh, Incantation releases, but that's a, got a swampy kind of darkness to it. Uh, swampy is not the right word, but you know what I mean. Um, Immolation has this cold, dissonant, bleak, um, very difficult feel to it at the time that I think sort of pushed a lot of people away as death metal was moving more into um, simplistic riff, riffy stuff and of course was running a bit out of steam as the mid 90s came along it's on Metal Blade um, as I remember correctly it's really worth tracking down if you can 
Um, it's, I suppose, Immolation is in in many ways one of the most underrated death metal bands in the whole the history of death metal. In the death metal canon, still deliver the goods live. Um, but here and after is an odd choice, but I stick by it because it's it's a very difficult listen. And I think it was one of the first times I'd ever heard anything that so fucked with my brain that was just like, wow, this is from some other place. Um, I haven't really heard death metal done like this. And you can hear where, as I said, Portal, Gorguts, a lot of the Thanata Faxath, a lot of the more technical, modern, um, dissonant, stop starting death metal, uh, you know, just, you can hear that Immolation were first, uh, first in hell, so to speak, with this kind of style. Definitely, definitely worth um, tracking down if you can. And the last record for all you sort of uh, black metal romantics is a band called Kfist in Norwegian. It's called Far Konsten Me Eveg Eke or something like this. Excuse my butchering translation. Kfist is a strange band. They never played a gig, as I understand. They were sort of um, contemporaries of Ulver. Um, and it's a really sweeping, interesting, very melodic, um, I guess, pagan black metal record. It's got a sort of melancholy to the riffs. It's got some really catchy, engaging songs. And strangely enough, just sort of disappeared. They never did anything ever again. It was on Avant Garde Records, which is the label run by um, Roberto Marmorella, who was the guy from Monumentum, um, who had a lot of amazing records in the 1990s. You should really, um, I mean, they had Catatonian Carpathian Forest, but um, maybe have a look at Avant Garde's back catalogue, which is really full of really amazing things. But Kvist, yeah, really intriguing band. I don't think anybody knew what they looked like. There was a whole bunch of bands at Carpathian Full Moon. Um, at the time, I suppose I put them in a sort of bracket with Ophthalamia from Sweden. Um, I suppose it was sort of doomy, pagan black metal. Very melodic riffs, interesting production, kind of cool, strange drum sound, extreme vocals. Maybe like sort of like almost like a pagan satiricon, dark medieval times. It's been re-released and given the treatment on vinyl, which is quite nice to see. But it's um, it's a very uh, intriguing record to try and get involved in now. Um, it's, like I said, you won't, nobody really knew what they looked like. Nobody knew very much about them indeed. It just dropped and then they disappeared. And it just sort of stands as one of those underground one-hit wonders that very few people still talk about, but when they do, they tend to love it. And um, yeah, I'm one of those people. And so Kvist, K-V-I-S-T, Norwegian sort of really interesting pagan um, melodic black metal so there you have it um, a little half hour discussion of 10 um, unusual or underrated or overlooked records from the 90s um, and maybe one from 2001 um, that hopefully I've um, stirred a few things there there's a few offshoots of conversation about that um, maybe make a few notes on some of the bands, Vedwenzendo, Written in Waters, In the Woods, things that maybe you don't know. I don't know. But I was just sitting there today listening to some of these records. I listened to two or three of them in a row and I was just like, damn it, these records, people should be talking about them. So here we are having a little chat about them. All right, my friends, that is Patreon number one for the month of who knows what month it is, who knows what year it is. Wow. Take care of yourself and happy uh, hunting. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 